All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from evil within ourselves and from the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray, and whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God, alone without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. O you who believe, be mindful of God, as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourselves to God, to your dying moment. Hi everyone, I'm Mahina Basi. I'm a 25-year-old living in Los Angeles. I was born in Islamabad, Pakistan, and I moved to the Bay Area when I was three years old. So I wanted to get to know you all a little bit and take a little bit of inventory. So who here was born in the United States? Okay, cool. Who was born in a different country? Who has parents that are from a different country? Whose family immigrated to America? Who converted to Islam? And who was born into Islam? Amazing. Looks like we have a little bit of everything here today, which is exactly how it should be, a beautifully diverse ummah. But with that means there's a lot of varying identities, a lot of histories and practices. We all grew up in a way that's probably not considered the same as a typical American. Everyone comes with their own point of view and their own experiences. But sometimes there are aspects of our stories that tend to be similar to the experiences of others. We don't realize how similar our struggles and challenges are because we think our own story is atypical. So we think we're alone in our experience. I think it helps to know that you're not alone in what you are doing and what you're going through. All of our varying layers and identities is a beautiful thing, but can also be very confusing and difficult to maneuver that, especially when sometimes the identities clash. I struggled with this a lot growing up. I never felt American enough, and I never felt Pakistani enough. Americans would always be surprised that I never knew any of the classics to anything, and Pakistanis would make fun of me because I struggle with my Urdu. And I never really understood where Islam fell into all of this. All of these different sectors of who I am used to clash immensely. I would feel like a million different people in varying environments. At school, I was one person, the fun, rambunctious friend, and at home, I became the obedient Pakistani daughter. Both worlds didn't know the other world existed and I had no idea who the real me really was. It took me a long time before I realized that there is a way to embody all these parts of me in a beautiful, intertwined way, by figuring out what I identified from each side and choosing to reflect that, and its foundation being Islam. When I started practicing this is when I finally started to feel like I was living as my truest self. And of course, it's a constant journey, and every day I'm changing and growing, but instead of it scaring me, I embrace it, and I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see the woman I'm going to become in the next three, five, ten years. See, growing up in a Pakistani household, I didn't know the difference between my religion and my culture. My culture was my religion, and my religion was my culture. I was told to pray frequently, I was told to dress modestly, I was told no sleepovers, and I was told no boys. To me, it just sounded like a long list of restrictions, that because I was Pakistani Muslim, I wasn't allowed to have any fun. But this all clashed with my American culture that I grew up around. My friends never prayed like we did. They got to wear whatever they wanted, and they frequently had sleepovers without me. And boys and girls started dating around me at a really young age. I wondered, why couldn't I be like that? Why couldn't I sleep over at my friend's house? Why did I have to wear tights underneath my lacrosse uniform? Why did I have to wear sweatpants in PE? And why was I the only one who had to be home before dark? My friends and classmates mostly were accepting of my religion and culture and who I was, but they did think it was super weird and didn't understand why I would listen to all of that. They would say, who cares? Just live your life. God isn't real. YOLO. One time, someone said to me, you seem smart. Why would you believe in God? I hated being so different. Being a shy, introverted girl, I just wanted to fit in. 
I just wanted to enjoy my youth, but it felt like I wasn't allowed to do anything. It also felt like I was being judged for everything, on the Pakistani Muslim side for not being Pakistani Muslim enough, and on the American side for not being American enough. When I left for college, I decided now is the time. I'm going to do everything. I hung out with whoever I wanted, I dressed however I wanted, I stayed out as late as I wanted. I did those typical American things. I joined a sorority, I went to parties, I even went to a country music festival. I was friends with so many different groups of people. I loved meeting people of all different cultures and having a diverse group of friends, but I still felt like I didn't fit in. I always felt like I was explaining myself in some way, explaining my family dynamic, explaining the food I make, explaining what fasting is. I tried so hard to assimilate, but it just never clicked. On the outside, I was living my best life. I did whatever I wanted, and I was finally living rule-free. I finally I thought I had the freedom that I wanted. So it came as a surprise to me that I was severely depressed. I had trouble making it to classes, and I was failing most of my classes, almost to the point of failing out of school. There were countless nights where I'd cry myself to sleep, wishing, praying, literally begging God that I wouldn't wake up the next morning. A lot of days I couldn't make it out of bed. My friends just thought I was super lazy. And honestly, most people had no idea because on the outside, I was still a fun, bubbly person. My parents, like many Pakistani parents, had highly suggested that I study medicine during college. I didn't want that, but tried to force it for a very long time. Finally, I admitted to myself and my parents that I wanted to switch majors, but I still had no idea what I wanted. I graduated college as confused as ever and moved back without any clarity in my career path. You can imagine what happened next. A young, free, wild child moving back home to a strict parents' household. And thus began the hardest years of my life. I became depressed in college, but it was easy to pretend like it didn't exist. Constantly distracting myself by having friends around, parties, classes, finals, and using any means to drown my sorrows. At my parents' house, that wasn't an option. It was just me, a confused 21-year-old with no idea what she wanted to do, back in her suburban town, 300-plus miles away from her college, with her strict parents. I had to follow the rules again. It didn't matter that I just spent four years out of the house. I was back to everything like how it was before. I had to be back home before dark, send constant updates to where I was, and be reprimanded frequently for what I was wearing. I was extremely depressed and not a pleasure to be around. I would get annoyed and frustrated frequently. No one in my family could be in the same room as me for longer than five minutes without me having some sort of dramatic meltdown. I was mean, I yelled a lot, and I was very confused. I blamed everything in my life on my parents and on my religion. I felt that my parents forced this religion on me, and I had no agency in my own life. I thought that if I wasn't Muslim, I could live a better life, a freer life. I frequently thought about disappearing and starting a new life, away from my family, away from this culture, and away from this religion. How much easier and better would my life be? I once shared this fantasy with my brother. It made him cry. The fact that I could possibly think about leaving the family that loved me so much. I realized then how much of a terrible person I'd become. And honestly, I just accepted it. I was so lost, I didn't know how, what to do or how to move forward. I felt stuck, with no clear vision of my future. One day, something strange happened. I met this girl at the gym, and she asked if I wanted to hear about an opportunity that would change my life. I was like, yes, definitely. <laughs> so we decided to meet up for coffee. She briefly explained the business opportunity and what it required of its employees. But what intrigued me the most is her talking about the accountability and how they would encourage everyone to read for at least 15 minutes a day. She gave me a book and told me by, that by the time of our next meeting to make sure I completed it and to start reading 15 minutes a day. 
I used to love reading as a kid. I read the Harry Potter books every summer. But after getting busy with college, I stopped. So it was nice for me to pick up the habit again. As for the girl, I found out later it was actually some pyramid scheme business that she wanted me to join, <laughs> which wasn't exactly what I was looking to get something I was looking to get involved with. So I got out of there quick. But I kept the habit. I read almost every day. One of the first books I read was called *The Magic of Thinking Big*. It completely shifted my way of thinking. I realized that the possibilities were endless, and I just had to take responsibility of my own life. And by that, me saying things were impossible and limiting myself, I'm just creating blockages in my own mind. After that, I read every book I could get my hands on, usually self-help books, because we know I needed it. And I was made fun of frequently for my book choices, but I didn't care. I needed to hear all the advice. I also definitely needed a therapist at the time, but I didn't recognize it, which is a whole other issue. So I just let the books guide me. And honestly, this changed my life. It's funny how the first world revealed in the Quran is Ikra or read. Read in the name of thy sustainer, who has created the human out of germ cell. Read for thy sustainer is the most bountiful one, who has taught the human the use of the pen and taught the human what they did not know. Opening my mind to knowledge and beginning to read again changed my perspective and attitude. The command "read" was the moment that everything changed for the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And honestly, it was when everything changed for me too. I started to realize my parents weren't these bullies trying to bring me down with all their rules, and that everything and every rule was created out of care and concern. Everything was done out of desire for protection and love. I stopped blaming them for all the problems in my life. I used to think that if my parents hadn't pushed me towards medicine, I wouldn't be so confused. I realized my parents never forced anything on me. Yes, they suggested it strongly, but in the end, every decision I made was my own. I needed to figure out what I wanted and live based on that. They never denied me the chance to explore. I just didn't take the initiative. In the Quran, the one who blames anyone is Shaitan. Shaitan blames God for all of his problems. Hazrat Adam takes responsibility for his mistakes. Blaming never helps you. It's actually the satanic approach in life. How often do we blame other people when we really need to figure out the strength and courage to explore, take initiative, and try new things? How easy is it to attribute our confusion to others versus taking accountability? It took me a while to learn this lesson, and it's something I'm still working on. But understanding it and reflecting on it helped change my life. And finally, and most importantly, what catapulted my life the most was reopening my relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I started having conversations with God every day on my drive home from the gym, out loud in my car by myself, like a weirdo. It wasn't structured. It wasn't a prayer. It wasn't a dua. It was a conversation, like I would have with a friend. And I probably, actually, definitely looked crazy doing it. It looked something like this: Hey, God, it's me again. How's it going? So today, this happened, and this happened, and this was a little stressful. So if you could help me that with that, that would be such a homey move. Also, my mood's been a little off lately, so that's a little strange. Oh, and I keep thinking about this, as you know, because your prop's tired of it constantly going on in my head. So if you can make that stop and help a sister out, that would be amazing. Okay, okay, that's all I got for today. Chat tomorrow. This was—it was a continuous conversation dua, I guess you could say. Because I would ask God for things and help, but it wasn't the typical duas I was used to. It was casual. It was comfortable. I started looking forward to this time every day. I craved my conversations with God. 
It gave me peace of mind. It helped me develop a real relationship with God, not one that was forced through my parents and not one in a language that I didn't understand. It was just time for me and my homie God. I confided in Allah for everything. I trusted Allah. I got to talk to God about real things and nonsense. I talked to God about family, jobs, religion, mental health, boys, what food I had. Sometimes it would just be as silly as, oh, I saw a butterfly today. Literally everything. I cried to God and I cracked jokes to God. I was just myself in the most vulnerable and purest form. I never had a proper relationship with God before that. It always felt forced or like it was through somebody else, like my parents. That felt real. This felt like my own. And my life started to change. Miracles started to happen. When I started to think big, I decided to ask myself, okay, you don't know everything you want out of life, but what do you know? What does your ideal life as of today look like? I didn't know much about my career or anything, but I knew I was drawn to LA. And I decided I wanted to move there. And that's where I felt like I wanted to be. No reason, I just felt it. And everyone in my family and everyone in my life actually was against the idea. But like I said, I took responsibility for my own life and my own feelings and decided to respect everyone's opinion, but in the end, do what I thought was right for myself. After, of course, a lot of istikhara or the guidance prayer. I had been applying to jobs in LA for months. One day, I had an interview with a great company, a great role, a great location. It was an amazing opportunity. It showed up randomly for me out of some recruiter's reference. The day of the interview, I was so nervous. I kept having to pee because I have to pee when I'm nervous. So I would run all the way down the hall to the bathroom and then all the way back to the conference room and then all the way to the bathroom and then all the way back to the conference room. I did that three times in 15 minutes. Finally, I just said to God, God, please, I hate interviewing. I hate being this nervous. Please don't let me have to do any more interviews. And that's exactly what happened. I got that contract job at Google with one phone interview. They didn't even ask me to meet in person. They didn't ask for a video interview. And the, during the interview, the whole time, my manager just talked, and I was actually the one asking questions. It was like I was interviewing him, and he was trying to convince me about the job. So miraculously, I got a job in LA with a great company in my favorite location for almost double the pay. It was, what, it was definitely all God. I know that 100%, because, well, everything is. But because the way it happened was nothing short of a miracle. It's moments like this where you see God in his full glory, when you ask and you receive and you stop having any doubts whatsoever if God can hear you or not. Because a lot of my conversations with God that year were about moving to LA, this really showed the power in trusting in God's timing for everything, and it will always work out in the way that's best for you, especially if you're asking. Moving to LA, the little hunch I had ended up being the best thing for me. Being on my own and taking responsibility for my life, I started to sprout as my own person, starting forging a relationship with my religion separate from anyone else's. I could do whatever I wanted and I was on my own. I supported myself, so I didn't do anything just for pleasing others, like I felt like I did at home. When I was at my parents' place, I followed the rules for their sake, which of course is still a huge reward and for respecting your parents, but I wasn't doing it for the sake of Allah. When I came here, everything changed. I lived however I wanted, and I lived just as me. I explored what I was okay with and what I wasn't. And I still do that constantly because it's ever-changing. For example, a year into living here is when I started eating halal, or zabiha. Not because other family members were doing it. Honestly, at the time, my main reason was for my health. I have a vegan roommate, so I was already eating vegan a lot, so we could share meals when we went out to eat. 
So I was like, okay, well, might as well eat halal because it'll be healthier for me too because the meat quality is better and I'll eat less meat. That was my reasoning at the time. This, it was little shifts like this that kept happening, slowly and slowly, obviously with divine guidance, but everything was happening at its own time. Therefore, it felt like true decisions with pure intentions. When I would give up something, no part of me wanted to go back to that. The once life-shattering rules forced onto me by my parents were now becoming things that I understood and started incorporating into my own life, out of my own free will. My faith continued to grow, and I now accepted it as my own faith, not as culture, traditions, or practices that were pushed on or passed on to me by my parents. It was my beautiful spiritual journey and no one else's. No one can understand it fully, and no one could take it away from me. I read this book recently called Reclaim Your Heart by Yasmin Mokhad. It basically says how you were created. When you were created, you were with your maker, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But suddenly, you left Allah, and you were born into this world. You left the place of peace and were born into a world full of chaos. Since birth, you felt this feeling of unsettlement. You feel a void. A void because part of you just wants to go back to your maker, to the land of peace. Most people don't understand this feeling, this void. People try filling the void with all kinds of things, drugs, sex, gambling, television, career, literally everything. Anything to make us at peace again, even for a moment. Or to just numb ourselves to the point of feeling nothing at all, instead of feeling unsettled. She talks about how the void is from our craving for God. We want to go back, we don't want to be in this dunya. The only way to truly, truly get some relief from this void is to do whatever you can to turn back to Allah during this world. That's the only way you can get a sense of peace from this unsettlement. I mean, the word Islam itself means peace. I thought this book explained the concept beautifully. It resonated with me and my journey. I did feel an innate void that I was constantly trying to fill. That's where my depression stemmed from. And I for sure have tried other means of filling the void, but in the end, the only thing that's truly helped has been turning back to Allah. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, said, whomever makes the world their most important matter, Allah will confound their affairs and make poverty appear before their eyes. They will not get anything from this world but what has been decreed for them. Whoever makes the hereafter their most important matter, Allah will settle their affairs and make them content in their heart, and the world will come to them, although they do not want it. If I'm stressed about something, I know that God is taking care of me, as he's taking care of everyone, and there's no reason to stress. If I want something and I don't get it, instead of being sad, I know that God was protecting me from something. If I'm sad about something, I know I can turn and cry to God to ease my pain. If someone has passed away, I know that inshallah we'll meet again in Jannah, or heaven. If I'm confused about a decision, I praise the Qara and I'm always guided. When I started having God in my life, it provided a sense of peace for me. Every moment, every occasion, there's a dua for it. There's a peace that comes from God during all times of distress. When we trust that everything happens for a reason and God always has the best of plans for us, all stress and tension evaporates. Of course, this is incredibly hard to achieve, complete the wakil or faith in God, but it's definitely the goal. There are plenty of times in my life where I struggled, plenty of times where I fell off, but every time I came back to my homie God, because in the end, God never left. God's always there, literally the most reliable friend you'll ever have, and always listens to my nonsense and rants. The Messenger of Allah, please invest blessings be upon him, said, Allah Almighty says, Whoever comes with a good deed will have the reward of ten like it and even more. Whoever comes with an evil deed will be recompensed for one evil deed like it, or they will be forgiven. 
Whoever draws close to me by the length of a hand, I will draw close to them by the length of an arm. Whoever draws close to me by the length of an arm, I will draw close to them by the length of a fathom. Whoever comes to me walking, I will come to them running. Whoever meets me with enough sins to fill the earth, not associating any idols with me, I will meet them with as much forgiveness. No matter how far I fell off, God is always there and ready to forgive as long as I turn back to him. I realized then that there is no balancing of culture and religion. Religion is not culture. Culture is not religion. Religion should be the foundation of everything in our lives and, and everything else should be built on top of it, including culture. I can balance my two cultures of being Pakistani and American because I am both. And balancing literally just means taking whatever I want from each as long as it doesn't contradict the Quran. Cultural practices can sing one way or another, it doesn't matter. I can drink giant eat birani while listening to country music one day, or I can chow down on a burger while listening to Coast Studio the next. Figuring out what interests me and then twirling the two to form a, my complete identity as a Pakistani American. I realize though that religion isn't a part of that. I can't just eat halal one day and then not the next. It's the basis of life. It's a guide of how to live a pure life that will be most pleasing to Allah. It's a whole unit on its own. It doesn't have to be our whole life, but it should be the basis of everything that we do. I realized a lot of the things that I thought were religion growing up were actually just cultural. I started seeking my own knowledge to make sure that everything has a true religious basis, especially when culture starts to clash. I try to make sure in those scenarios I always choose God. These days, I'm trying to think about religion and Allah before every decision I make. Think about if it will bring me closer or farther away to my deen and my religion. Basically, is this helping me achieve my main goal in life, which is getting back to God? Will marrying this dude bring me closer to my life goal? Will this job be pleasing to Allah? Will this party affect my faith? Will this TV show make me see or hear things that might be toxic for my deen? In order to keep this constant reminder, we pray multiple times throughout the day to ensure that we never go too long without the remembrance of Allah SWT and why we're here. Our religion teaches us that each of our limbs are the door to our hearts. The heart is the place where Allah gazes, the part of us that enables us to draw closer to him. Ideally, we want to get to the point where we remember Allah in all of our actions, with all of our limbs, which of course is not an easy thing to do in this dunya that we live in. We are surrounded by so many distractions, so much constant stimuli that's taking our attention, and so many things that are intoxicating our minds. To me, my deen, my religion, is like a plant. In order for it to grow bigger and flourish, it needs constant attention and nourishment every single day. You have to water it, give it sunlight, and you can't just do it once and hope that it will live for the next month. That's the same way I see my deen. You have to constantly nourish it every single day in order for it to grow. Whether it's through prayer, reading Quran, or doing dhikr, as the longer you let it go unnourished, the more likely a plant will start to wither and die out. And the longer you, but you can bring a plant back to life if it starts to die. It just takes longer to be healthy the longer you wait. Same goes for your deen. The longer I go without nourishing it, the harder it is to grow back. But if I'm consistent with its care and love, then every day will continue to grow larger and more beautiful. I say what I have said, may God forgive us all. Alhamdulillah, all praise and thanks are due to God, alone. This year, I had the amazing blessing to be invited to the Hajj pilgrimage. Alhamdulillah, it was incredible. One of the many takeaways was the peaceful environment. Even though you're surrounded by millions of people, there is a sense of peace in the chaos. Just me, God, and 4.5 million of my brothers and sisters. The stresses of the dunya, or the temporary life, start to float away. Literally, when I got there, I was mainly praying for dunya things. 
Soon, they seemed irrelevant, and all I wanted to pray for was forgiveness, the akira, or the afterlife, and the ability to get closer to God. Transitioning back into this world was weird. Everything there had a sense of purity to it, but it was crazy how easy it was to move on from the experience. It's only been two months, but it feels like a lifetime ago. <coughs> I still have a cough from it. Um, I was immediately swallowed up again by this dunya. I try every day to incorporate the lessons that I learned through Hajj, but it's tough. This world is anything but easy. I would be lying if I didn't say I don't struggle every single day. I'm nowhere near the end of my journey to figuring out my deen, but may Allah make it easy for all of us. But one thing that I realized is that my journey is my own and no one else's. It doesn't matter where everyone else is on their journey, whether they're just getting started with their faith or whether they've been studying for 20 plus years. Everyone is on their own path and everyone has their own relationship. I used to compare where I was versus other people. I put self-imposed judgments that it wasn't good enough and I'd never get there and that it was impossible for me. But I'm glad I started with whatever method works for me, which was a little bit unconventional and not really taught, but I started with my super casual conversations, which I still do, and that was now over three years ago. That was what first formed my real connection with Allah. And from there, I've been slowly trying to improve. I'm still working on making sure that my faith is my own and that it's real for me. But as long as I have Allah on my side and I'm trying, I know it won't be easy, but I know it'll be worth it. So I hope this bit from my story has been able to help you in some way. Just remember three main things. First, find what works for you. Take some inventory for yourself and take some time away from all the pressures, judgments, voices of society and figure out what works for you in order to build your own personal connection. Start with anything. God is everywhere. Maybe for you it'll be nature walks or art or books. Figure out what works for you. Secondly, I urge you all to take responsibility of your own life in all aspects because in the end, you're the only one that's going to be asked about it. And remember, God is the most merciful, so it doesn't matter how far you've fallen off, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always catch you. You just have to take the initiative. And finally, use your faith as the foundation for everything in your life. Try to be God conscious in everything you do, and remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is here for all of us, as long as we open up the conversation and nurture the plant. I wanted to end with a piece from Surah Duha, which was revealed to the Prophet, peace be upon him, during a time he was distressed and anxious. It was revealed to calm him and to give him strength. This is the Muhammad Asad translation. Thy sustainer has not forsaken thee, nor does God scorn thee. For indeed the life to come will be better for thee than this earlier part of thy life. And indeed in time will thy sustainer grant thee what thy heart desires, and thou shalt be well pleased. Has God not found thee an orphan and given thee shelter? Has God not found thee on thy way and guided thee? And found thee in need and given thee sufficiency? It's a beautiful reminder to know that Allah SWT is always here to take care of you and there's only better days to come, inshallah. God commands justice, doing good, generosity towards relatives. God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and impressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Recite what has been revealed to you of the book and stay consistent in prayer. Indeed, prayer restrains the human from lewd and wicked behavior, but the remembrance of God is even greater and God knows what you are, what you are doing. Ya Allah, please forgive all of us for anything that we have may have done that may have displeased you. Ya Allah, please make it easy for us to forge our connection with you and please guide us into things that, make, that please you and make you happy. Ya Allah, please give everyone here and everyone that's listening an opportunity to go visit you in your house and perform Hajj or Umrah and be invited to see you. 
Ya Allah, please forgive all of our sins. Ya Allah, if anyone here has had family members that passed away, please forgive them and grant them the highest place in Jannah. Ya Allah, please grant us all the highest place in Jannah. Ya Allah, please allow everyone to have a deep connection with you that pleases you, and please allow everyone to have a deep connection with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that pleases you. Ya Allah, please, please send blessings and peace to your Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, please allow us to do everything that we do in all of our actions, in all of our limbs, and everything that we try to do, make us God conscious, make us aware of what pleases you and what you want us to be doing. Ya Allah, please make it easy for us. Ya Allah, we are trying, we are struggling. Ya Allah, this dunya is a lot for us. It's a lot of tests and a lot of things that we have to go against. So please make it easy for us and please guide us to whatever you think is best. Ya Allah, please forgive us all. Wa as let's perform the prayer. Amen.